recant from camp, getting back after two years, and many of you helped make that possible. I am thankful for your support in those things. And it is great to have one service, everybody combined from both services together in a great being around each other, and maybe you see some people in here you've never seen before. Well, I hope before you leave today, you'll introduce yourself, find somebody from the other service, and see if you can find somebody you've never met at PCBC. I also get excited when we do one service, because now there's no time limitations on my sermon. I can go just as long as the doors remain locked, all right? So we're going to see where we go. Well, we're going to dig into scripture today. We've been going through the Psalms, and there's a psalm I thought we would go to. If you have your Bible, start turning to Psalm chapter 33. God bless America. That would be the prayer of every one of our hearts, that God would bless our nation. And we should pray for God's blessings each and every day. As I've reflected on what we're going to see in Psalm 33 and in other things, I reflect on what's happening in our nation. We want our nation to be blessed, but we won't want to be the nation that is blessed. We don't want to do what it requires to receive that blessing. We want to pray to God for him to bless it. But are we willing to do what we must do to be that nation that is blessed? Well, as we dig through the word today, you're going to find a few surprises perhaps. And we're going to see the struggle because if we're not careful, we can worship our freedom more than the one who gave us that freedom. And certainly that seems to be what's happening in our nation today is that we have embraced those freedoms to the nth degree, but forgotten the one who has given us those freedoms. I grew up my whole life hearing that America is the most blessed nation on the planet. And certainly we have experienced great blessings, and certainly we are a very unique nation, but we are far from a blessed nation as we see in Psalm 33. So let's dig in and look at verse 12. Psalm 33, verse 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen for his own inheritance. Well, as the psalmist was writing this, obviously he was thinking about his nation, Israel. He was declaring that God had blessed them and he was reminding the nation that the only nation that is blessed is the one who is blessed by the Lord. It doesn't matter what kind of natural resources we may or may not have doesn't matter how good the economy may be in that moment or the material things of our nation's wealth, but it goes back to the one who blesses the nation, blesses the nation whose God is the Lord. So is that Israel today? Is that China or Russia? Perhaps it's very easy for you to say, no way, no way. It's certain nations you want to maybe put on the blessed category or the cursed category. Where would you put America in the categories? Well, this verse has been used in numerous speeches by many of our presidents throughout the ages. It's been used at many patriotic services and, and even in sermons from pulpits throughout the churches of our land. But if you look at the cultural context of this passage, you can't say that America qualifies. If you look at the biblical context, you also have to draw the same conclusion. For look at the last part of verse 12 again. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen for his own inheritance. So you see the last part of that verse, we are reminded that it's not a nation on this planet, but it's a people that has been chosen by God as his inheritance. It's an entirely different nation spoken of in this passage. I believe that it's better explained in 1 Peter. Hold your place, we'll be back to Psalm 33, 
But flip over to 1 Peter chapter 2. I believe it was this psalm that inspired Peter, obviously the Holy Spirit as well, to pen these next verses, verse 9 and 10. We're in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. But you, you are a chosen generation. Was he just speaking to the nation of Israel in this moment? No, he was speaking to those who had placed their faith in Christ. Many had grown up in Israel. Many of them had a, a, national, a national, uh, tie into the nation of Israel. There were others from other nations, but he was speaking to those who had placed their faith in the one, the way, the truth, and the life. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Underline the next phrase, a what? A holy nation. That word nation in the Greek we're going to dig into in just a moment speaks to a particular people. So let's dig in. Let's see a little bit more. You are a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God. You had not obtained mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. Peter, like the psalmist, points to a very unique nation on this planet, not with geographical borders, but all those that are part of the family of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. He said, you once weren't a people. Now you are the people of God. You are a holy nation. He would go on in verse 11 to say, actually, you need to understand you're actually aliens in this world. You're foreigners and strangers. You say, no, 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 I'm an American. No, 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 I would tell you if you're in Christ, you're a stranger in this world. This world has nothing to do with those people who are a holy nation and a royal priesthood. We have the blessing of being a people that God has called out, that God has gathered together to be a part of his eternal family. I want you to look at it again, uh, going back to Psalm 33, and you'll see what Peter said and what we also see in verse 9 of Psalm 33, you are a chosen generation, you are a holy nation. For what purpose? Why did God call us out? What is our divine purpose? Just to go to heaven someday? No, the psalmist would declare, as Peter declared, that we are to proclaim the praises of him who called us out of darkness. Both in 1 Peter, here in Psalm 33, if we want to be a blessed nation, it starts right here. It starts with you and me, the called out, the holy nation of God. We happen to live in America. That happens to be our platform. That happens to be our stewardship. And as American believers, we are to be a blessing to this nation. That's why Second Chronicles that everyone quotes all the time during patriotic services is not about praying for your nation as much as you should be praying for the holy nation. We should be praying, it says, if my people, God's people, this holy nation will humble themselves and pray. We're so busy praying for our nation to be blessed, but we're not praying for how God chooses to bless through a holy nation. We pray for those who are messing up the country, and we should. We should pray for those in leadership roles, and we should pray for many different aspects of our nation. But the greatest way you can pray for your nation and for this nation to be blessed is for us to repent and return to being the holy nation of God we were called to be. That daily we would be declaring his praises. That daily we would be reaching someone with the glorious person of who Jesus is in our story. That will become a blessed nation. Because the holy nation, the called out ones, are declaring the glory of who God is. 
And so the psalmist is going to take this psalm and he's going to teach the called out. He's going to teach the holy nation of God's people how to be blessed. You want to know how to be a blessed nation? Take a look at it, verse 1. He says, so you need to sing for joy. Sing for joy in the Lord, you righteous ones. Praise is becoming to the upright. And while we will sing during this holiday, God bless America, our song really as a holy nation is not God bless America. Our song is we are the blessed in the Lord. We have a different song to sing. May we realize that we are that holy nation, those who know Christ. And on the 4th of July, as we celebrate as a nation, we gather for huge family picnics and barbecues. We'll set off the, the fireworks, explosive fireworks, and we get loud on the 4th of July. May God's holy nation get louder. May we shine brighter than any fireworks display. And may we sing the songs of praise and anoint the holiness of who God is in the world in which we live. The psalmist used the same type of expression as he was talking about singing for joy, that, that Hebrew phrase for sing for joy is actually a deliverance shout. A deliverance shout. For those who were delivered from battle, for those who were delivered over into victory, they would shout for joy. And the psalmist says that's who we are. The righteous, those who have been called out of this wicked world into a relationship with God, we are that holy nation. And we should be singing louder and we should be brighter than any fireworks display that ever happens in this land because God has set us free. Take a look at verse 2. So give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Sing praises to him with a harp of ten strings. Sing to him, look at verse 3, sing to him a new song. Underline the phrase, a new song. And play skillfully with a shout of joy. Now get loud, that's good, but also be skillful in it. All right, don't be a noisy clang and gong, but get in there and, and in harmony as one body, we should be lifting up who God is in our nation. But he says here, sing a new song. That word new literally means the freshest of the fresh. It literally means in the, Greek, or the Hebrew here, it literally means that it is something not previously ever existing. A new song. Now, I know today we got to sing some familiar songs and some new songs. And it isn't about the author. It isn't about the generation. The song is about who God is in your story. But the psalmist was saying, yes, we have many songs to sing. The psalms are all the songs that they would sing forever. It was the, the older songs of their faith. But he also said, let's make sure we're singing new songs. Let's make sure we just don't uh, rest on the laurels of what God did years and years and years ago at Cross Timbers or Falls Creek. But that every day we wake up, that there's a new song to sing. A new way that God has shown up in our lives. A new way that we've experienced Him in our life. And that we sing that new song. For you see, God has made us new. The old has passed away. Behold, we are brand new creations in Christ. And out of that newness, that new life we have in Christ, should come new songs. I grew up with the song Highway to Hell by ACDC. I got a new song today. My new song is Jesus Take the Wheel. I got the new look. I got a new direction. I grew up with Led Zeppelin with some stairway to heaven like you could climb your way in. I've come to understand as we sang earlier today, there's only one way. Through God's, what did we sing earlier? Amazing Grace. New song. 
And while Amazing Grace is an older song of generations past, it became a new song to me in 1981. And I would tell you today as I stand before you now in the year 2021, there are new songs yet to be written on this heart, and I pray new songs to be written on your heart. The psalmist says, you better sing for joy and you ought to be a living fireworks display. But also, you need to be singing new songs. It needs to be fresh. I would encourage you today, one of the greatest things you could do is to sit down and write a song. Say, I've never written a song. I don't know how to write a song. Well, as you read most of the Psalms, the psalmist was just telling his story. The psalmist was just reflecting on God's goodness and what God had done in his or her story. And here we find... The same could be true for us. Write a song today. Record and take time to look at all God has done in the past, how he delivered you and what he did to deliver you and what he's doing today to keep you new in Christ. I dare you, write a song. It may not get published, but I promise you, it'll be playing in the portals of heaven. God loves to hear a new song. Well, Anchor this in your soul as you are reflecting on what God has done and as you look to his word, we are challenged for look at verse 4. For the word of the Lord is right and all his work is done in faithfulness. Here we find not only does a blessed nation sing a new song, a fresh song, but this blessed nation, we, those, the family of God, we have a righteous king, a righteous king. There's no need for a special investigation. There's no need for an independent counsel to do any background checking on our king. He is holy, and he is righteous, and he is faithful to the end. He is trustworthy, not only in what he has said, but what he does in regard to what he has said. Notice what it says. For all his work is done in faithfulness. The first part of the verse, we are to look to the word of the Lord, for it is right. In the second part of the word, we are called to look to the work of God, honoring that word that he has declared. So write this truth down. Uh, I, I stumbled onto this a while back, and it's just stayed with me these past few weeks through the book of Psalms. The preacher said this, he said, look to what God has said until he does what he has said. Look to what God has said until he does what he said he would do. For in this verse, he is faithful to declare it, but not only declare it, but to do it, do it as well. So look at the word. Be in the word. Let the word be in you. But don't let it be head knowledge. Let it be your life knowledge. As we live life anchored in that truth that God is faithful to the very end. Verse 5. Let's see what else a blessed nation has. For he loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their lights. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap, and he puts the depths in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it was done. The writer of Psalms here, this particular psalm, takes him on a history lesson all the way back to the Genesis, the very beginning. And says, just as God created all of this and created you and created me, how did that happen? By his word. God spoke it. God declared it. And what happened? There was life. Miraculously. Out of nowhere. Just because God spoke it. And the same is true as we live in this world and as we live out our new life in Christ. Look to what God has spoken 
Stay anchored in that truth until God has accomplished that truth in your life. But now we go on and see another thing about a blessed nation. A blessed nation also experiences his eternal plan. Look at verse 10. For the Lord nullifies the plans of nations. He frustrates the plans of peoples. For the plan of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart, watch this, from generation to generation. We look over human history. As we look over even current history, our national history, we have seen very unique leaders. We've seen very strong and bold leaders. We've seen better leaders than other leaders. And we get all torqued up on whoever's leading in the moment. And we forget it doesn't matter who gets there. It doesn't matter who's trying to take the lead. Our God is supreme. He is the king of who? All kings. No matter what is plotted on this planet, no matter what comes through a human mind or a human plan, God's plan stands forever. And that plan is from generation to generation. Now, what is that plan? Well, that plan is very simple. Uh, go ahead and write this down. You better get this down. If it's from generation to generation, here's the plan. Let me spell it out for you. Ready? J E S. U.S. Oh, that sounded a little patriotic, didn't it? The plan is Jesus. The Apostle Paul understood this as well. Hold your place in Psalm 33. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. This plan that God had from generation to generation. That Pharaohs tried to abort this plan. That others throughout human history have tried to thwart the work of God and their plans were foiled. Because this plan is everlasting. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. There's that blessed nation. The blessing of God. We are blessed. The one who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him. When? Before the foundation of the world. Now this is a powerful mystery. This is a a deep and complex thought. But before you ever needed to be saved, God already had the plan. Before you ever chose to dishonor the glory of God and fall short of it, God already had a plan. For the Bible says before the foundation of the world, God had already predetermined the blessing would come through Christ, the only one who would bring us together as one holy nation, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to adoptions as sons and daughters through Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. So in Psalm 33, as we go back there, we are reminded that there is a plan that has been in play from generation to generation. And no matter what human beings have tried to do on this planet to create their own plan, their own way, their own paradise, there's only one way. It's through that one plan that God has done before the foundation of this very world that plan is j-e-s-u-s -S. we are blessed go to verse 12 we also see that in this blessing as we are part of this unique people this people who's been called out to be a part of the family of god that unique holy nation is a blessed nation and we are his heirs verse 12 for blessed is the nation whose god is the lord the people he has chosen for his own 
inheritance. Again, that's not a geographical boundary. That's an issue of the heart. That's the territory that God looks for. That's what brings you into a holy nation is what's happened in your heart. For it's with the heart we must believe, not with our head. Not that we have a flag or a motto that says, in God we trust. But what we trust here in our heart. John chapter 10, Jesus spoke of this reality. He said, verse 14 through 16, I am the good shepherd, and, know, and I know my very own, and my own know me. He's speaking of that relationship. It wasn't just that the, he knew who Israel was, a nation with geographic boundaries. He said, no, those who know me and I know them. He spoke of a relationship. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them in also and they will listen to my voice and they will become one flock with one shepherd. The inheritance, the heirs. There were those who tied all the way back to Abraham's seed and that promise and said, well, because we're of that bloodline, we're safe. And what we find in Hebrews 11 is what was safe about the seed was the seed of faith. Not the seed of the DNA, but the seed of faith that Abraham had. And so not all of Israel were Jesus' sheep. But those were first called out, and he says, but listen, know this, that while you may be able to look back into Abraham and that promise, it's bigger than that, it's the bloodline of the Lamb, and that there are other sheep. Who was he speaking of? The Gentiles. That'd be most you and me in this room, most of us. And he said, but they will become one flock, one people, a holy nation. This nation is spoken of in Psalm 33. We're back to 33 now, verse 13. For he goes on to declare also, not only do we have a new song to sing, not only do we have a holy and perfect king, not only do we know that we are heirs to the promise, but we also, watch this, we are safe from the enemy. Think about all the billions of dollars we have spent on our national defense, and rightfully so. I'm thankful that we have a strong defense to protect us from the enemies that walk on this planet. But there's another enemy. Our battle's not with flesh and blood, but with spirits and principalities. There is a greater battlefield. And listen to what the psalmist declared. Verse 13. For the Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of mankind. From his dwelling place, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth, not just a unique, specific nation, not just some geographical territory, but he looks out on all of his creation. Verse 15, he who fashions the hearts of them all, who understands all their works. For you understand the king is not saved by a mighty army, a warrior is not rescued by his great strength. All the horses in the world, which were a big part of the military in those days, are false hope for victory. I testify to that horse issue. Nor does it rescue anyone by its great strength. But behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who wait for his faithfulness. Did you see it in verse 18? There are those who are his. The one who knows their hearts and has crafted their hearts and has given them a new heart, a holy nation. And those, look at what it says again. It says, on those who wait for his faithfulness. God has declared that he is king. And while we see the wickedness of this world and we go through the issues of this life, he is still Lord of all. 
we wait for his faithfulness. And while he came once to a Calvary cross, and we know that he has resurrected to the, the throne again, we also know, and we are faithful to wait, that he is returning again. Our conquering champion, we are faithful to the end. For he is there to rescue our soul from death, to keep us alive even during times of famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. He is our help and our shield. Maybe you're overwhelmed today and maybe you feel like the enemy is surrounding you with darkness. Maybe you feel like you're drowning in your moment. Remain faithful. Continue to look, what he has, look to what he has declared until he has done what he has declared. Continue to stand anchored in that truth. Not being swept away by the, the, the waves that are crashing all around you and over the top of your head. He'll never let you drown. He is your help and your shield. Back in John 10.10, 10, Jesus said, know this, the thief is going to come. You have an enemy who's going to come to kill, steal, and destroy. But in that very same conversation, he says, but know this. I have come. But I have come. Even though you are surrounded by an enemy who wants to destroy you, I have come. That's enough for me. That's who I need. I need him and nothing more. Because he has come, he went on to say, my sheep will hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. So when the enemy comes to you and whispers in your ear, you'll never make it. You're not good enough. How could God still love you? Oh, look at you. You're a piece of work. Look at you. You're a mess. Look at you. I don't look at me. I look to my helper. I look to my shield. And I know that he is the one that keeps me in his righteous, powerful, holy hand. Rest in that. Don't let the enemy rob you of that peace. And then one last thing, and we'll be done. All right, here we go. Verse 21, take a look at it. The blessed nation also has the favor of their king. Take a look at it. For our heart rejoices in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your favor, Lord, be upon us just as we have waited for you. Lord, let your favor be on us. A blessed nation isn't about who's in the White House. A blessed nation is who's in this house. A holy nation. A chosen people called out through the blood of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. God, let your favor be upon us as we wait for you. If you're taking notes, you can write down 84, Psalm 84, verse 11. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk in blamelessness. You ever been driving at the right time of day right into the sun? Isn't that a wonderful moment on the highway? Isn't that a blessing? That sun is so brilliant, it's so overwhelming, you can't see, it just takes over. And that's the S-U-N. The Bible says here, he is our sun, our shield. The S-O-N is even brighter and even stronger. 
and as our shield. He is a shield that stands before us and all around us. We are baptized into the Holy Spirit. We are sealed in the Spirit. We are safe and secure from all alarm. And so I remind you what the prophet M.C. Hammer, Hammer said. You can't touch this. I almost went there. Because, why? Because of anything we've done? Because you showed up for church on a holiday weekend. Don't be patting yourself on the back. No, all praise goes to the king who's on his throne. All praise goes to the S-O-N, who is our strength, who is our king, who is our shield, and has defeated the enemy for all time. So I say this to you. Blessed is the nation, the people, the people who have found that king, the people who have said, I'm not going to be the Lord of this, my freedoms aren't going to be the Lord of this. Jesus, I give you reign over me. Blessed is that nation. Let's pray about it with every head bowed and every eye closed. Are you blessed today? Are you blessed because you're a part of that nation? Not because you're a part of a Baptist church, but because you've come to know there's only one way to be right with a holy God. That your sins must be paid. That the wages of sin is death, and Jesus became that death. And you've come to a point in your life where you said, Lord, I look to you alone for my salvation. God, I want you to be the king of my heart. I receive you this day. Has there been a day like that for you? Has there been a moment in your story where God entered that chapter, entered that moment, entered your heart through faith? For by grace are we saved through faith. If you've never placed your faith in Christ, whether you're worshiping online or in this very place, right now you could call on the name of the Lord and you could become a citizen of heaven, a child of God, a joint heir through Christ. But it only happens when you believe in your heart. You say, well, I, I believed in God all my life. Well, so the demons. The demons believe and shudder. They're not saved. What's the difference? The heart. That heart that is dead because of our sin must be born again, Jesus said, a second time. If your heart has never been changed, if you've never experienced Christ personally, you know about him, you read about him and you pray to him, but you've never received him as your king, Today is the day of your salvation. Today you need to anchor that down. Today, like many of our children did last week at Cross Timbers, and maybe some of them will be sharing that with us this morning, or maybe a mother or a father who sent one of them to camp. Today's your day. You need to do that. Join the nation through Christ, the living King. You say, how do I do that? Well, the Bible says you have to call on the name of the Lord. You have to reject your allegiance to your old life and declare a new allegiance to a new commander Jesus the King of Kings is there someone here this morning that needs to do that right where you are just pray and say Lord that's me save me Lord I open the door of my heart I place my faith in you the Bible says whoever will call on his name they shall be saved. It's that simple. You say, whoa, whoa, what? I got to do something else, surely. I got to quit doing something else, right? No. 
like a child that's born in this world who does nothing, the Father births you. You just have to submit your heart to him. And if you just did that, our staff will be here at the front. I'd encourage you to come to one of them and say, man, today, today I asked Jesus into my heart. We want to pray with you, rejoice with you. We want to sing a new song because there's a new name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We encourage you to come. Maybe you need to come for a ping pong ball, somebody you're praying for, you're one. Maybe an orange ping pong ball because someone has come to know Christ. Maybe you need to come because you need a church family and you want to be a part of a family of faith and grow in the wisdom and knowledge of who Jesus is. We invite you to come. Come and ask our staff if they'll make their way to the front and let me pray for you. Father God, I pray for each and every one that's in this room and, and those who are viewing right now. Lord, that's you speaking to their heart. And God, I pray we wouldn't just hear your voice, but you said in John 10 that your sheep would hear your voice and follow you. So God, I pray that in these next few moments, we would allow you to lead us in that next step of obedience. That's you this morning. God has spoken to you when we stand in a moment. Give God the praise by coming and just declaring to one of these what God has spoken to you about this morning. Father, be honored in these moments. In Jesus' name.